This is Howard Anderson, Managing Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today we're talking to Dr. Robert Waugh, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer at CFC, which provides information technology consulting in healthcare and other industries. Thanks so much for joining us today, Dr. Waugh. Thank you, Howard. It's a pleasure to be here. Across the country, many physician group practices implementing their first electronic health record systems are considering using remotely hosted applications using the cloud computing model. Also, a lot of hospitals are considering using remotely hosted applications for certain specialized functions. So what are the most critical security risks that physicians in hospitals should consider before they use a remotely hosted application? Well, I think when when people are talking about using a, a remotely hosted application, it's broader than just security, and I really group it into two major areas. On the security side, I think we want to make sure the the uh, physicians and hospitals consider who will have access to the data when it's in the remotely hosted application environment. So as the data moves through the system, it can be on SANS, or drives, or tape, or other parts of the data center, it's important to know who will have access to that data, just as whether financial systems or health systems, they want to know who's going to actually be handling the data. It's particularly important in healthcare, given the fact that personal health information is so vital to keep secure. There's clearly federal and local regulations and laws uh, regulating uh, the handling of the data, And there are a lot of opportunities for different hands actually touching that data once it leaves the hospital or clinic. So it's important to make sure that the organization that will be doing the remotely hosted application or other work uh, has, you know, HIPAA-compliant, HIPAA-trained people who understand the importance of keeping uh, personal health information, whether it be in paper or electronic form, private and secure. But the other thing that I think one has to think about when they look at remotely hosting an application like this is it's important to look at multiple paths to the data center so that you're not reliant on a single uh, point of failure because, you know, the classic worry that people have, and certainly I had this when I was in the Department of Defense, is that you put in an electronic health record system that the data may reside outside the hospital walls or even outside the base. We used to always talk about what if there's a backhoe outside the gate of the base that digs up the cable that runs to our data center. And so having multiple paths to the data center uh, allows for that possibility. So if that backhoe is digging a hole and inadvertently cuts the cable, if you have multiple pathways to the data center, you can fail over to that other pathway and not lose connectivity to your important system. So I think the other thing that this highlights is to make sure that the provider, and here I'm talking about the technology provider, is experienced in this area of using remotely hosted applications. You want to make sure that you have somebody who has the experience uh, and has seen practically every possible inadvertent outcome. And because that's the kind of people who can give you the best advice about what the cost, benefit, and risks are of all of your options that you have to choose from when you choose a system. Because you obviously want to shoot for the highest reliability, highest availability, and highest security at the lowest cost. But all those choices will have trade-offs. And you want to use somebody who can 
give you that advice based on a great deal of experience. Companies remotely hosting clinical software are considered business associates, and so they must comply with HIPAA. What specific security information should be added to business associate agreements with these vendors beyond what's included in agreements with other business associates? One of the things that I think people need to be thinking about when they write these contracts is making sure that it's absolutely clear in the contract who has the responsibility for security and what is the time phasing of that responsibility. In many cases, these contracts are written for multiple years, and it's not uncommon to see a comment something like, the provider of the service will comply with all current federal regulations, which sounds very reasonable, but it's important to remember that current federal regulations may in fact change. So, you know, it's been a long time since the initial HIPAA regulations came out, and with the HITECH Act, there were some additional changes to data security. You know, they really focused a lot on information security, encryption, the need to do an annual risk assessment. So if you have a contract that was written before the HITECH Act came in place, at the time the contract was initiated, all parties were complying with the current federal regulations at that point. But then several years later, new regulations come in place, and it's important to have in the contract what, what, is the, what is the plan when new regulations come out? Whose responsibility is it to uh, comply with those? What's the time frame uh, expected that you would be compliant? Who bears the cost of changing the system or adding new layers of security to become compliant? And so I think those are things that have to be added into these kinds of contracts because they're a little bit different because many of them span for a long period of time. And so it would be important to factor in the environment that we're in today, which is a a really evolving and changing uh, privacy and security regulation environment. What questions should potential users ask about how the company hosting the application uses encryption specifically? Well, I think when we think about encryption, you know, you think about a data, and the data can be at rest, in transit, or in use. And so it's important to think about those three phases in which data exists and how is encryption going to be used to protect uh, that those data in those various phases. And so that would be an important thing to think about because there are differences between at rest, in transit, and in use. It's also important to think about the keys, the encryption keys, and make sure that they're not stored in the same place as the data. I think that's fairly standard in industry, but it is important to keep those two separate uh, so that if there's a failure of the source, you don't also lose the keys. But I think when you think about data encryption, you ought to really think about a broader issue, which is if you think about data in general, as I said before, there's the at rest, in transit, and in process. You know, there's data creation, there's data transformation, there's data storage, there's data transfer, and there's ultimately data destruction. What should potential users ask about how data will be backed up and about how the vendor handles security in its data center? Well, when we talk about data backup, there's always a cycle. And so 
I think it's important to agree and understand up front at the beginning of the uh, uh, involvement with the data center is what is the normal schedule and is that does that meet the requirement of the of the situation that you wanted to. So oftentimes they talk about uh, when you talk about backups, there's sort of generations. There's sort of a grandfather, father, son version of the data, and as it gets, you know, it sort of matures over time. But you can see the sort of generational part of uh, the data backup process. And many systems will provide uh, a last full backup. We happen to have a client that's a major medical center at one of the Ivy League schools. And, and what we do is every month we drop a monthly tape with the latest full backup. So if anything happened uh, to the data, uh, and they weren't able to get to our system, they would be able to rely on that last full backup and the, the gap between the time they got it and the time uh, they needed it would be fairly short and so they have essentially a full uh, backup of their system. So that's one thing to think about when you think about uh, backup. And then with security, it's important to remember that when you look at security, there's really two pieces. One is the physical or technology security, but there's also the people and the process. And so you want to make sure both are as, as secure as possible. Because many times, breaches do not occur because there's a technology failure. There's usually a human process failure. Somebody loses something or somebody leaves something unattended. That's not the technology that does that. That is often a human process. And so you want to make sure that the, both sides are as high level as possible the technology in place to secure things, but also the people and the business process and who does what is as secure as possible as well. I would also point out that many top flight companies, and CSC is one of them, we undergo a third-party audit of our entire data center on a regular basis where we bring in a third-party, like an accounting firm, to analyze what they call an SAS, 70 evaluation, and so the, the whole data center from a technology standpoint, but also as that human uh, process, that workflow, that who does what process is also evaluated by an outside auditor, and we do that so that our clients can be reassured that, in fact, we are uh, providing services at the highest technology level and also at the highest business process or people level as well. How should the issue of ownership of the data be addressed, especially if the vendor goes out of business or if the customer terminates the contract? Again, this goes back to where we talked before about rem remembering there's all those phases in the life of data, its creation, its transformation, its storage, its transferring, and ultimately its destruction. Data destruction or data sanitation, I think, is an important thing to be thinking about because should a an agreement to uh, terminate between two organizations, it's important that a data sanitation uh, process is in place to make sure that all the systems that contain that data at any time are in fact sanitized and the data that resided on them were destroyed so as to protect the privacy and secure that data. Because it can sit on, you know, SANs, uh, you know, storage area networks, tapes, even failed hard drives actually still contain data, even though the mechanism may not work, the disk that the data is written on may still be viable inside that failed drive. So it's important that that also be sanitized. So I'm, 
I'm talking about at the termination of a of a business relationship, you know, making sure that data sanitation occurs. Clearly, it also is important that data transfer is occurring at that same time so that the data that uh, was in the application or the hosted centers is transferred to the uh, people who will need it to continue operations with another provider. And so, you know, we have to make sure, again, contractually, at the beginning of the relationship, there is a provision that outlines very specifically how that eventuality will be handled uh, should it come up. It's always better to deal with it at the outset of the contract as opposed to, you know, at the last minute when it comes up at the end of the contract. Finally, are there any other security questions that are important to address before using cloud computing? Well, I think it's uh, it's important to remember that when we're talking about healthcare, in most cases, we are talking about mission critical data, and so it is it is important uh, to deal with it, just like other industries deal with mission critical data. Financial industries obviously have dealt with this issue for a long time because if they don't have access to the financial data, they're sort of out of business. In a way, healthcare can be the same way, and it can actually be detrimental to patient care, which makes it even more mission critical than I think even financial information. So I think it's important to have good transparency into how a data center runs. The data center operations must be transparent to the client so that they know and have good reassurance that, as I said before, the highest level of security is being maintained, both from a technical technology uh, standpoint, but also from a policy and procedure standpoint. So the people that are working in that data center are trained, are very uh, compliant with HIPAA guidelines, they understand the importance of electronic personal health information, and that they are very cognizant of the mission criticality of the, of the system that they're running. So I think it's important to be able to look into the data center, and that may be you know, not a, a physical thing, where you, but some people actually go visit the data center to actually see the physical plant, meet the people that are going to be involved with handling their systems, because it's, it is, as I said before, a mission-critical uh, data set that they're dealing with, and they want to know that they have put that in the, in the right hands. So I would say transparency is a question that you always want to bring up when you're, when you're dealing with trying to select uh, someone to handle your mission-critical data. I think it's also important to talk about maintenance, because during maintenance, sometimes it's, it's necessary to shut down the system to do maintenance, because sometimes you can't change the tires on the car while you're driving down the highway. You have to stop, change the tires, and then go back. So it is important to make sure that everyone understands what the procedure would be uh, when that maintenance occurs. Uh, in some systems, it's possible to do it during the off hours when no patient care is going on. When I was in the Department of Defense, we had a problem where we were operating our system in 12 time zones, so there really was no middle of the night. Everybody was you know, accessing the system all the time. And so we had to have backup systems that could be put in place while maintenance was done on the main system. Uh, but other systems that are not spread as globally as we were in the Department of Defense may not have that same problem. But knowing when the system is going to go down and when it will come back up is critical, I think, uh, in the, when we deal with these systems. Uh, and so people know to prepare and have a contingency plan when they can go to some sort of a 
uh, alternative format, whether that be paper or another system, uh, where they can utilize that to maintain the, you know, the ability to continue to take care of patients while the maintenance is going on. And as we all know, we see it all the time, on, even on our personal desktop machines, uh, there's patches coming out all the time from the software vendors. Microsoft, I think, is well known for sending their patches out on Tuesdays. And so, you know, that often requires a maintenance of the, uh, of, of the operation. Okay, well, thank you very much. We've been talking today with Dr. Robert Waugh of CSC. This is Howard Anderson of Information Security Media Group. Thanks so much for listening.